Welcome to the Basin Conspiracy. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm Steven Zuber. And today it's just the two of us. Today is just the two of us because we couldn't get a guest and we're recording shortly after our last recording. So. Yes. We, we've been falling behind schedule lately where some of you may have noticed some of our episodes are, you know, a few hours, maybe a day late. And we were just like, yeah, we really got to get on it. So this one is almost back to back with the previous one in recording. So this should fix that problem. We'll never be late again. That's our promise to you. <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> I do not make promises that I don't know for sure I can keep like that. We'll try really hard not to be late again. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, so what we are talking about today is a bit of a hobby horse of mine. Is hobby horse the right term? I've heard it in the terms of like political hobby horse. Like this is like the one, like maybe it's like single issue voters or something. This is like the one thing you care about. Okay. So what is your interested thing that you wanted to talk about? My interested thing is, um, it is an aspect of Moloch and we have referred to Moloch before on this podcast and we should probably explain very briefly what Moloch is. Uh, comes from a post by Scott Alexander, Meditations on Moloch, where he explains the concept. But in to, to boil it down and simplify it a bit, Moloch is uh, incentive systems that push people towards bad optima. Uh, it is the the sort of racing towards the bottom, the always cutting more and more to get more efficient. I guess the the transhumanist version of Moloch is, uh, you see it sometimes in science fiction, is we are in a situation where all our resources are strained simply for survival. Really inhospitable planet or war with an alien race or maybe just war amongst each other on Earth. And uh, we have to give up things we love in order to not die. And so you first you strip out things like art because we don't have any money to spend on art. But since we're transhumanists, eventually we start doing things like stripping out our need for leisure because we must spend all our time working and being efficient. And then we strip out things like uh, our need to connect with other people and have meaningful emotional relationships because those take away from being productive until eventually you don't really have humans anymore. You just have these constant producers and consumers that are working in an economy in order to like have more stuff or be better at warfare or not get killed by their environment but it doesn't really matter anymore because there's nothing human left there's just production optimizers so two quick things one uh you made it sound like to somebody who wasn't familiar scott alexander didn't invent the idea of moloch this goes way back um, he yes popularized no. it in the way that we use it. Yes. But yeah, the Moloch figure of like, I run on sacrifices kind of has been there forever. One of his earlier examples of this, which I really liked, was the um, two-income trap, where before uh, only men could work, and that was horrible for women, yes. Uh, but once women entered into the workforce, then now you could have uh, families where both people in the family worked. And instead of households having twice the income and twice the leisure and twice the fun. Uh-huh. Now uh, just all the prices went up primarily for housing near good schools. And so now if you want your children to not be in a shitty uh, neighborhood, you both have to work all the time, never see your children in order to buy really expensive housing near the best schools where they won't get shot and will get taught things correctly. And really everyone's back in the same position they were before, except now everyone works more and the children don't get to see either parent. 
I think another good example of Moloch gone wild is uh, Hanson's Age of M, mm. right? That's kind of like what you're alluding. You, if you followed your track further down, you're like, instead of just being shut down humans, you just have productive workers running at a million, you know, times the speed to get all the stuff done. Yeah. And you strip all the things that they'd want to do otherwise and reset them every day and all yes. that weird shit. So yeah. good or bad, I think is not really Hanson's point. He's just speculating. But yeah, uh, yeah that's certainly, I think, a good example of Moloch gone nuts. So... What specifically are we talking about with today's uh, Moloch? Today, I am talking about uh, media in general and social media more specifically. Because uh, the the way we do internet is kind of fucked uh, in that it is driven entirely, almost entirely by uh, ad revenue. Television cable news networks have had a similar thing happen, which means that the most important thing is to get eyeballs. Uh, you want to engage people's attention. And there is actually a metric now, which I believe Tristan, was it? Tristan Tristan Harris. Tristan Harris uh, has been talking about. And there have been a number of articles that came out recently about um, by people who used to work for Google, people who used to work for Facebook. Uh, the guy who invented the like button for Facebook has jumped on this as well and uh, is really regretful about what he has done with his life in the past. But... The There is now metrics called engagement, which measure how long a user stays on a site and how much they engage with the content. And the, the race for all these companies who are in competition with each other for our attention is to get as much of your attention as they can. And they are relentlessly greedy. If they could keep you up 24 hours a day and do nothing but looking at their feed all the time, they would, because that is how they get revenue. That is their incentive. The better, the more engagement, the better. Uh, and, and there are a lot of things that go into doing this. There is the, when you scroll down, um, the endless feed thing. You don't like get to the bottom and click on next page. It just keeps scrolling forever. Uh, the... There was one person who uh, was talking about how he invented the, uh, like on your Gmail, you swipe down to refresh instead of having like a refresh button. Uh, that was because when he was making an app, it reloads when you pull down the refresh and it does like the little whirling thing at the top. Uh -huh. And that is like watching the slot machine roll. Yes. And yeah. like it's even the pull down action, like you're pulling yeah. down the slot machine arm. Well, and he, he said that like at the time it was a technical constraint because he didn't have room on the screen for a reload button. So he used that. But nowadays you can, things can reload constantly, like several times per second without a problem. And yet they keep that feature in because it gives you that little rush of dopamine. The, am I going to get something new or am I not? Uh, the, on your notifications, the little red dot that lets you know there's new things. They, used to be blue they turned it to red because it gets attention and the little red dot you never know what it's going to be is it going to be just uh you know more ads or something or is it actually going to be cool content is it going to be likes and people responding to your stuff it is this constant variable reward which has been shown to be one of the best ways to train people to want to do something over and over when the reward is not uh not you can't predict it completely the the sporadic intermittent reward yes yeah um so like uh, B.F. Skinner, the 1900 psychologist, he had those pigeons that he trained to do really weird things mm -hmm. by doing that. It's so like they got like to be superstitious. Like they would do quick three left turns and like then a pellet would fall oh, or like so they basically and they, they would fall randomly. But the pigeons developed their own weird superstitions about how to get it to work. Mm -hmm. And so they would think, well, you know, it happened after the last time I turned left. Maybe I'll keep turning left and it'll keep coming back. And, you know, then it does. And they'll still keep doing it. Awesome. Um, so uh, two quick things. One. 
So on the train ride home, as I mentioned already, oh, before we started recording, I rode home with one of the other uh, senior developers, mm-hmm. and uh, he pulled up his Google News, and one of the first things that was on his feed was like Yellowstone is showing volcanic activity two hours ago, and he's like, he read the headline, he's like, well, shit, and he clicks it, and he skims through, and he's reading it, and the last line was, geologists aren't very concerned, <laughs> um, and I'm like, was this like BuzzFeed or whatever? And then he found it, uh, I think on. Uh, it wasn't the New York Post. It was some actual reputable web, reputable website also posted the same article. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the headline got him in, and because you know, hey, the headline the headline's basically you and everybody you know is going to die. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, how long do you have? Click here to find out. Um, and at the bottom, eh, just the normal amount of volcanic activity for right. Yellowstone. Well, yeah. and I don't know if this is the article or not, but I'm not a geologist. But if I had uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure a little light activity is probably good news because mm. then you, you know, you release really? the stress before it gets big and that's what we want. We want it to stay, you know, nice and mostly chill. Yeah. So just an example of that kind of grab your attention thing. Yeah. Um, the only thing, the only thing that this didn't have in that recipe was it didn't show up on his lock screen on his phone. Okay. You know, he had to open his newsfeed for it to be the first thing there. Yeah. But the other thing was that you mentioned if they could keep you at your, you know, staring at your keyboard until you, mm-hmm. you know, for 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. they would. They isn't necessarily like evil mustache twirling uh, people who are capitalizing on those revenue, right? Yeah. In fact, right now with Facebook, it's just a black box AI that wants to keep you on Facebook. Right. Um, so like, yeah, someone's still making money on the ad revenue. Yeah. But this... It's, this didn't happen by somebody saying, "All right, let's be as manipulative as possible. Let's keep them, in, let's keep them engaged. Let's uh, right. uh, do whatever it takes." It was just a Malachian race to the bottom that nobody had to make the decision to make this happen. Yeah, they they need ad revenue to stay alive. They introduce something which helps get them a little more attention, and then every competitor in the marketplace has to either copy them and start doing these addictive things as well, or be competed out of existence and go bankrupt. And it keeps going. It's why they have the fucking autoplay uh, on things that as soon as you scroll, it starts playing. Or if you end a video, the next one will start playing after five seconds. Yes. Because they want you to stay on there. And it's it's because you get what you measure. What they measure is engagement. How many clicks? How long are you on site? And so that is what you measure. That is what you optimize for. You keep finding ways to increase that and increase that. Even though you're not doing it with any evil intent, it is your measure and you're maximizing your measure. Right. And now now that it's the the name of the game, it can be done with evil intent if someone, you know, wants to get their stuff done. This wasn't this isn't an evil intent example, and I might have mentioned this before, but did I ever mention like Diablo three? I think you some, have okay, I think yeah. twice actually. Okay, so yeah. forget it. Some people some people have died playing this game because it's really addictive and they've calculated it to be like almost perfectly addicting in yeah. that you get rewarded just often enough to keep engaged. Yeah. You know, your buff wears down and then it's like thirty seconds before you see the next thing. Oh wait, double experience for two minutes, I gotta keep going. So <laughs> Uh, while I was never enough into it to, you know, miss, die. Uh, yeah, to die, <laughs> I probably did hold my bladder or something playing, right? Because you're mm-hmm. you're stuck in. So, mm-hmm. um, so all that all that is pretty bad. I mean, that's also how you get the fucking clickbait headlines, like twenty one things that something number four will shock you or number six made me cry, crap God like damn. that. Yeah, I, I now have a policy of never clicking on anything that has number X will make you Y. Number X will make you Y, like. Or if, in if general, a, listicles are just bad things that I avoid. But listicles, I like that word. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's, it's not new to me. I, I read it somewhere. But especially things that have at the end, number X will make you Y. I'm like, fuck you, not clicking through. Yeah, that and if the headline is the form of a question, yeah. 
I think the answer is always no. Yes. And there's, there's a law of journalism, which I don't remember what it is now, but yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, there's a subreddit that I like called saved you a click. Okay. And it'll give you like the bullshit headline, like what happens to this actress? And like, then they'll put a bar and then they'll be like, you know, nothing or like whatever. This actress looks so different. You won't believe it. And it's like, she looks like you would expect her to look 20 years later, <laughs> 67 clicks. For them to get, and they'll, so they'll put in parentheses how many clicks took them to get to the answer. Holy crap! And often it's one or two, but sometimes it's dozens. Okay. Where you, so that's the other thing that you'll see on some pages. I don't go to the like most of these websites. I saw links through from Facebook, and I haven't been on Facebook that much lately, mm-hmm. but partly because of some of the perverse things I that we'll probably get into. But yeah, you'll you'll go to the page and it'll have whatever ten bullshit things. They're not on a one page. You click the next button to get to the next number two, number oh, three, right. and then they get all new ads in your face. And you know, most almost nobody clicks these things, but people still want to pay to be seen there. So it's still money making, even if there isn't that much money going back into the advertiser's pocket. So the this whole thing by itself is already really annoying, and it is bringing down. All of the discourse because all of it happens is now something that has to shock you and get your attention and keep you in right uh, but the really bad part about it and the thing <clears throat> I consider this aside from existential issues like um, artificial intelligence or or genetic altering I consider this uh, the most important issue of the day today the most important thing that happens in modern life, short of actual existential issues like nuclear war or AI development. Uh, the fact that there is a strong incentive to turn people against each other to generate outrage. Because if you see something that pisses you off, you tend to engage immediately. And so there is this incentive now for, uh, for the spreading of memes and, and other ideas, which is fracturing society because people will jump onto one side or another and they're very divisive and just there to get you riled up. Uh, I think the most, I, I shouldn't, I don't think I should comment on the most recent thing I saw. It, it just a outrage generating shin machine. Oh yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, is part of, you know, the, the machine gets kickstarted with that article, mm-hmm. but then we'll do the rest by, mm-hmm. uh, having these weird competitions to see who can be the most loudly outraged. Yeah. You can't be like, well, whoa, 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 let's draw the line of violence. Like, are you shitting me? You're with them. We talked about that with the whole Nazi thing. We did. Right. Yeah. So it, it happened also with the, the Google memo thing. Yeah. Where, uh, was it Google? The, where that guy put out that. Memo yeah, yeah. About, yeah. 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 Where I, I mean, he, he said some questionable things. He said, he also had some sort of argument to make. It wasn't the greatest argument, but it quickly turned into, you know, Either you are a crazy feminist Nazi or you are the racist uncle, right? There is no in-between. You have to be one or the other, and both sides hate each other after it's all over. Yeah, it's one of those fun things where like you can piss off both sides by disagreeing with both of them. Yeah. So it's like, no, no, you know, don't get me wrong, I don't like the Nazis either. Yeah. But I don't want to set everyone I've never met on fire. And so like you can really piss off everybody. Yeah. And, um, and it doesn't matter. Both sides now think you're on the other sides. Yeah. It's, it's and sometimes fun, you are, sometimes you aren't. But the whole drive is to make things as outrage generating and as hating of the people that are on your friends list as possible because that drives engagement. That will get you coming back to Facebook for the next three hours, madly pounding away in the comment section of someone's thread 
and the engagement number goes up. Uh, but all it does is result in this deterioration of society. I think it's a large part of the reason that Trump got elected. The the continual outrage of both sides against each other. And one side said, you know what? Fuck you all. We're tired of your hippie liberal bullshit. We're going to elect this guy because he is not part of the system. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Electing Trump was giant, a giant middle finger to everyone everyone who was on the left right it's, it's true that example just still hits too close to home um this will all be funny in five years if we make it that far right um so uh yeah i think you're right there there wasn't anybody five years ago saying man i wish that donald trump character would run so that we could get a reasonable person in our side right yeah this just turned into like we the the i mean we're pissing off trump supporters but well, don't get me wrong I, I tell you what if you're a trump supporter who wanted donald trump to run in the 2004 election you write in and let us know what your reasoning is what your reasoning was um, I, I will say that they it's not that they don't have an argument when you get attacked when your side gets attacked a lot by these people that you think are obviously just the most pampered people who are rioting and calling for their colleges to to fire professors when they're in the most liberal and safe and accepting place in the world and you're like what the fuck is wrong with you and you do want to you know flip them off and be like yeah take this this is the guy that stands for everything you hate eat a dick yeah. I, I i totally like felt I, I i felt i don't want to say agreement with them but like when i first heard about trump and didn't know about him at all for like a week i was like oh, i could maybe vote for this guy because i am kind of sick of some of this bullshit and and then i realized who he actually was and what he was doing and i was like oh oh god no it would have been a great throwaway vote to give a yeah. fuck you yeah, right yeah. so like if he didn't make the candidacy and it would be you know like there's the joke i think the numbers were inflated but probably one idiot wrote in harambe as the president right so it would have been great for like you know uh to make a social statement to your Facebook friends or whatever and say, I voted for Trump because fuck you guys. Mm -hmm. It turned out not to be so great. You know, like when they said, you know, eat a dick, everyone. Now we all have to eat that dick and it's, <laughs> and it's horrible. So yeah. this uh, is not like one of those primo Dwayne, the rock Johnson dicks. <laughs> this is like fucking gross ass. What's his name? Uh, Donald Trump. Zing. <laughs> oh, um, super zing. So, all right, this is getting a little far field, but yeah. the uh, uh, shit now, now well, someone's going to feel bad about me describing ugly dicks. All dicks are beautiful. Hashtag all dicks. New text message noise for Inyash. I'm going to cut that sound bite. Um, so where were we? Um, oh, yes. Uh, the response to outrage. And so I think I felt some of the I never felt as inclined maybe to vote for Trump, but I did see where they were coming from in that, like, you guys are being dicks. And, you know, I'm on the left. You're you're left. Mm -hmm. of center i think uh i think i i know i just don't want to out you as a liberal sorry <laughs> I, I i admit the shame of being a liberal yes but even i can be like aghast at some of my my compatriots behavior right mm -hmm. and so you know it's it's my social circle that i see sharing the memes of like set these strangers on fire right yeah if you're the person that they say that they want to set on fire yeah you're going to feel inclined to respond to that pretty viscerally and so i could totally see where this happened and then you throw in some awesome propaganda machines and uh some other manipulations that probably happened and things got really bad really fast. And it really disgusts me because these, I mean, the corporations live in this system too. They are seeing it go down. They, they are like the, uh, I don't know, the animals that start eating themselves because there's, 
it's just the incentive are aligned. It, it's it's literally Malachian. The incentives are aligned to destroy the world around you, and you are watching it burn, and you know you're dying too, but the incentives are still there. Generate outrage, get that engagement rating, or else the whole thing is, or else you're going out of business. That's it, right? Yeah. So it's it doesn't have to be, unfortunately, this fits great for someone who wants to use this for a bad purposes, mm-hmm. because it's a great uh but they don't want to use it for bad purposes. Like huh? Google and Facebook both have a lot of money that they send into various altruistic and research causes. They care about the world, and yet this is driving them to burn down the society we live in. Oh, for sure. So I'm saying that there are the somewhat benevolent people like Mark Zuckerberg and Google. I'm sure I don't know a lot about Zuckerberg, but I get the impression he's somewhat chill. I've seen headlines for him wanting to be for uh, – minimum basic income and stuff like that so how bad can he be right mm-hmm. um someone's gonna write in and say here's the 50 reasons he's bad yeah. click here to find out um by the way but, he murders children right <laughs> uh but anyway um they can be you know whether fully nice or awesome or just like indifferent to their the outcome of whatever but the system also works great for deliberate misuse so uh you know if you want to write a twitter bot that um will share I don't like the uh, vernacular of like fake news. Yeah. Um, but they share literally false articles mm-hmm. of look at the. Um, it's uh, almost as if you were an enemy of the U.S. You have this ready-made system that all you have to do is interject a few things into, and it runs for you. Yeah, and so luckily our system's got this weird enough. Uh, um, our system already has these lost aligned lost purposes with. Uh, what we want out of the system. Like we want the news. We don't want to be, you know, mind fucked until we're, you know, engaged for three hours. Right. Mm-hmm. So that works great. If you want to inject in some bullshit and, uh, just stir this pot. Cause the pot's already pretty messed up. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I was thinking specifically of Russian Twitter bots cause I was reading yeah. about those lately and, you know, they don't have to be based out of Russia, but some of them are, which is pretty, uh, awesome. If you're into that sort of thing, if you're into espionage and, uh, you know, cool stuff like that, I've- if you're into not dying, it's sort of terrifying. I'm actually kind of thankful to Russia now because when I see these sorts of things that are obviously just meant to piss off people, like I recently saw one uh, about people sitting down uh, for the anthem playing in their home while they're like watching football on the on the TV, which basically everyone does. You Has anyone ever stood for the anthem at their house while they're watching football? Like apparently I heard someone who had a friend of a friend whose parents did that or something. But no, you don't stand up when you're watching football in your house. Are you kidding me? It's, it's, it's no, I've never seen anyone do that. Uh, but there, there was this picture of like, this is you when the anthem plays every Sunday while you're watching the game. And then below it is like Captain America. This is you when someone kneels at the national anthem acting like you're the biggest damn patriot in the world. And for a long time, I, I just didn't understand what the fuck they were talking about. I eventually figured out that it was supposed to be a diss on the people who are saying people shouldn't kneel during the anthem. Which, I mean, it was just confusingly done, especially because Captain America's a liberal. <laughs> it's, you you are really mixing up your messages here, but... Captain America's a patriot, sir. He's neither liberal oh. nor conservative. Okay. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what he is. Yeah. Depends on what, what Captain America you're looking at. Uh, the, the Marvel Universe Captain America. So like, I mean, the, the, MCU. Current, the MCU one? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Probably ish. Yeah, I mean, he's he, liberal, he, dude. Well, he also you didn't see Civil War, did you? I did not see Civil War. He's much, he's slightly less liberal. Well, I guess it depends on who your definition of liberal and your definition of authoritarianism and whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, he doesn't want to sign the paperwork that says, "All right, this government body can tell the Avengers what to do." Right. So, which um, 
First, I don't know. I, I would think, but distrust of small government. You yeah. Know? yeah, I mean, so like, that sounds pretty conservative to me. <laughs> oh, really? Because I can. I, I think conservatives would be the 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 one who'd be more like along the lines of. Oh, I see. That's now now it's up for debate. Yeah, and yeah, I'm, okay. I'm sure that I'm probably wrong. I bet. I mean, no, 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 no. I think it is a good debate to to be had. And I'm having it specifically to be kind of trolly. I don't really. Uh, well, I mean, because it's specifically after what happened in Winter Soldier, where he realized that he couldn't trust. Uh, certain authorities well it was more just like we should be in charge of ourselves because yeah. we know what we're doing even though we fuck up sometimes you know we don't want like what if they tell us not to do something we feel like we should yeah and uh the other side of that was this is really not relevant but the other <laughs> side of that was tony stark was dealing with the guilt of having made ultron mm -hmm. and uh having a high body count on his shoulders so he was like, no, I want to push the responsibility off onto somebody else. You know, then that way, if we go do stuff and fuck up, at least it's their fault, not ours. Yeah. Um, anyway, fun movie. You should check it out. Yeah. Uh, so regardless of whether Captain America is liberal or not, the, the, the meme was posted entirely just to infuriate people on the other side that would see it. And the people who would be sharing it is everyone who saw it that is like on the liberal side who wants to fight. They're like, yeah, and they repost it on their timeline. And like maybe their two or three uh, more right-leaning friends would see it and get pissed off. And that's how the fucking thing spreads and creates hate, even though it's stupid and poorly done and everything about it annoyed me. Anyways, uh, now that the Russians are in things, I can say people, hey... You are on the side of the Russians. You are helping to destroy our culture. They probably made this meme themselves. And and the fact that the Russians are involved now is, is I don't know. I kind of think it's like a thing to get people to stop and take a step back and say, am I being manipulated by an enemy who wants to see me die? For some people, I heard people pre-election saying, you know, I saw some stuff on the news about like, you know, they'd interview people in Russia, like on the ground and just say, you know, what do you think would happen if Hillary became president? Oh, I think she'd start World War Three. Mm -hmm. And they're using that as a motive or as a uh, bottom, as a like, you know, they, they basically, I'm going to vote Republican. What reasons can I put above it? They were bottom lining okay, that okay. decision to vote, but they're using that as ammunition against uh, voting for Hillary Clinton. Um, because look at how the Russians would feel about it. Uh, you know, uh -huh. we're already getting that. And, uh, I don't know if I could find this number again, so I'm probably wrong on the specifics, but something like in the early two thousands, the number of, or the percentage of favorable opinions on Russia on, on the, uh, conservative party members was something like 10%. Wait, like 10% of, of Republicans, 15 years ago felt favorable about Russia. Okay. Now that number is at like 35. Huh. So instead of jumping back and saying our enemy is pushing this way, it's like, Oh, our enemy agrees with us. They must not be so bad. Uh. So it's going both ways. And I think it's going more the other way. Instead of, instead of people saying, Holy shit, the enemies has the same position. I do. Yeah. I should reevaluate my position. It's like, Oh, my enemy has, my enemy has the same position. I do. They must not be so bad after all. Okay. I think is the way that it's going. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah, so it would have been great if it worked out the other way, right? Yeah. But, uh, man, all we need to do is for like ISIS to come out and endorse Trump, and somebody maybe that will wake people up a little bit. But because I was, I don't know. I think I'm still going to try and see what results I get. I, I haven't actually done it yet, but I'm gonna next time I see something obviously just meant as outrage bait. Post, how are you? How sure are you that you're not working for the Russians to bring down our society by sharing this? And see oh, that's just fake say. news. Are you shitting me? You're one of those libtards. <laughs> that's the that's the feedback you might receive. <laughs> okay. I don't think they would use the term libtards. Probably not, because I would be generally only talking to liberals. And you're probably talking to people. In, oh, okay, I see. Um, then yeah, they then they probably won't be using the phrase fake news either. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's an aspect of this Malachian nightmare that's sort of there, right? So you see something like Yellowstone's going to explode mm-hmm. in the headline, and then it's like, oh, geologists aren't worried. I didn't read the whole article, so I'm not sure what the specifics were. Maybe they rounded their estimate down from, you know, 250 million years, 240 million years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hypo- that's hypothetical. I'm not sure what the article actually said. But the point is that, like, the fake news article of, you know, the thing's about to explode got clicks. Mm-hmm. It got a really smart guy to click it mm-hmm. um, because it sounds like serious news, yeah. but it's not. So that's not, I think, the common usage of the phrase fake news, but it's the only one I'm willing to get behind. Um, the alternative is just, like, lying. And there's no reason to, you know, dress it up with other fancy words. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so if you're saying, oh, yeah, when it's impossible for me not to think of political-related examples because that's where this... Uh, terminology really sprung from in the last uh-huh. few months. So I don't know if that's going to bring us back to the politics stuff, but uh, Trump tweeted last week that the president of, well, I don't think he's the president. Uh, other people have been saying the president of Puerto Rico. Um, <laughs> and right. in fact, this was on, uh, I don't, I'm not on the subreddit, the Donald, but I'm on subreddits that make fun of that subreddit. Mm-hmm. And someone shared one of their top posts for like the day was, and it got thousands of upvotes about like the president of Puerto Rico is being a fucking idiot. Oh shit. And, People on, you know, subreddits like Resist and that sort of thing uh, were like, yeah, the president of Puerto Rico is a fucking idiot. (laughs) The president of Puerto Rico is Donald Trump. Um, So they meant like the governor or whatever. Who's that guy? I don't Mm -hmm. know what his office is. Now I sound like an idiot. Um, Anyway, yeah, this I feel like this is not the best example to make to not scare people away, even if it's reality. It's whatever. You want to just skip it then? Yeah, well, uh, he said something along the lines of how I forget the guy's name. The, the leader of Puerto Rico, that's not Trump, mm-hmm. uh, was, we got, along, we got along great till the Dems got to him and turned him against us. Now he's saying all these things. Yeah. And it's like, no, he was pissed the entire time because you guys' response was terrible. Like, they were being hurricaned and, uh, you know, you were playing golf and you dedicated the trophy to them even though you didn't win. Um, so, like, you know, weird shit like that. Wait, then he, he, didn't, sh- he didn't get the trophy? I have heard actually mixed things about that. I need to verify because okay. you're right. Speaking of you know people sharing outrage, that's a that's a great thing to make it sound more outrageous. I know he did. I know he in in his response, he played golf for a week and then dedicated the trophy to the people of Puerto Rico, and then he traveled there and threw paper towels at them. Yeah. Um, you saw that video of him throwing paper towels at people, right? I did see the. video. I thought that the people were exaggerating, and oh, okay. it was ridiculous. Well, I I also saw a meme where uh, the last three presidents, Bush, uh, Obama, and the Bush before that. Was it Bush before that? Uh, Clinton. Was it Clinton? Okay. But all three of them, like, after major disasters, hugging people in the disaster area, right? And then Trump in the back throwing paper <laughs> towels. And and my response to the meme was, now the real question is, is this meme ableist? Because supposedly Donald Trump may have germophobia sort of thing and doesn't like touching people. And so are we making fun of a disabled person who is unable to touch humans? We're making fun of a disabled person. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Sick burn. <laughs> um, that might be unfair to disabled people. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't want to wouldn't, wouldn't put anyone in the same camp. No. Um, it sounds like I'm being super unreasonably hard on Trump. I'm willing to uh, like defend a lot of my criticism here and yes i'm being hyperbolic by saying he's mentally disabled Mm. um there's some speculation that he might be having cognitive deterioration but now we're getting way too far yeah so yeah uh are they being ableist who knows right uh you know i do wonder even if that's your 
thing. You don't like just lob paper towels at people. No. Well, I mean, I mainly posted that comment to troll. Oh, I know. But yeah. but what a, I mean, so I'm just saying, even if we took that, you know, as much as we could, that's not the best response, no matter yeah. what, right? Yeah. Unless they, unless someone spilled a glass, then you toss them with some paper towels. That's the only <laughs> circumstance in which case it's okay to toss something at somebody like a dog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you can hand them the paper towel. Yeah, without even touching them. Yeah. All right, let's let's tie this back to uh, social media stuff. And yes. Okay. I'm gonna grab Tristan Harris's article here. Um, we'll link to Tristan Harris's article: How Technology Hijacks People's Mind. Mm-hmm. Hi- excuse me. How Technology Hijacks People's Minds from a Magician and a Google Design Ethicist. So that was his position at Google, was Google design ethicist, okay. which is a fun position to have. And only, the, and I think it was also like an UX philosopher or something, okay. um, which is the only kind of job title you could have at a place like Google. Yeah. Um, no one else hires philosophers at their 10 companies. But anyway, uh, he talks about the various exploits that they use, and he kind of takes them, you know, like how James Randi dissects bullshit from his magician's background. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about the, the kinds of things magicians do to grab your attention and how... Uh, these tie into the things that social media does mm-hmm. and some of them get less magiciany as you go down the line. But the first and foremost is if you control them, hijack number one, if you control the menu, you control the choices. Yeah. So like, this is one of the reasons that I didn't like Facebook is that there's no downvote button mm-hmm. or any way to disagree without starting an argument. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, downvoting would might be seen as an argument because your name is attached to your likes. Right. So if, if you like my picture, I see that you liked it. I don't see that it has a like, right. right. Um, so you can't even downvote without, uh, you know, opening the discussion for argument. But the idea that uh, what you're presented with really limits your options. Um, the, oh, God. the Facebook in general is just absolutely horrible. I strongly recommend to everyone to get Facebook Purity, which is actually called Fluff Buster Purity because Facebook did not like them using their name. Uh, but yeah, if you go to FB Purity, I think you can highly optimize your Facebook browsing experience, get rid of almost all the ads, uh, get rid of that annoying background color that people can do on their posts that makes it so it's much harder to tell ads from actual posts. Uh, it's. It, oh, I wonder if that was deliberate. I that's because then you spend more time looking at ads because you think I wonder if this is some friend's colored post. Yeah. Huh. That that was my assumption the day that they rolled it out. I was like, oh, I see what they're doing. Fuck them. Yeah. That, that, that is what actually caused me to finally get Facebook purity was that and i should have done it much much earlier than that unfortunately i don't think you there's a option for phones but i don't have facebook on my phone anyway because i do not need to have heroin around me all the time (laughs) i want to at least only have the access to it when i'm sitting down yeah the uh but definitely get that facebook will not even allow you to share it on facebook if you try to share a link to it they say oh it looks like you're trying to link to uh malicious content awesome we will we will helpfully avoid you you know poisoning your friends feeds with this you're welcome and you're like yeah fuck you facebook that's hilarious yeah uh so it gets rid of ads and gets rid of some of the other stuff that makes it hard to tell ads from content. Yeah, it lets you optimize a lot of what you're doing with your on Facebook with your feed and so forth. Right on. I think also I'm not sure if this is part of my YouTube plugin that I have on Chrome or if it's uh, part of if you can go into the features or into the settings on your regular YouTube, but you can disable autoplay. Yes, I do that uh, instantly with every single service that has an autoplay the first thing i do as soon as i know there's an autoplay is go and turn that off because fuck that bullshit i, only leave I it will on, tell you when i want to see more i like leave it on netflix okay. because i tend to binge netflix okay um the only other time actually this would have been a good excuse to leave it on if i could leave but you can just click 
Yes. It'll play the next one. The difference, though, is that on my Xbox, the remote goes off after 20 minutes. Oh. And the average episode's like 21 minutes and 30 seconds, right? So, so I have to turn the remote back on. 15 seconds turning the remote back on. Yeah. Well, even okay. if it's just five, but then it sits there for 20 more minutes and burns its battery until it turns off just in time for me to turn it on again. Okay. Yeah. Um, but whatever. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, autoplay is actually another thing that keeps people engaged, obviously. That's why mm-hmm. they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I... Uh, so like I I haven't left Facebook in the sense that I've deleted my account, but I love I've left Facebook in the sense that I haven't posted in over a year, mm-hmm. um, and I'll occasionally get on and like like stuff, um, but I only have it on to coordinate the less wrong meetings and stuff. Yeah, um, Facebook is really good for coordinating events. Yeah, it's a, it's quite a good calendar option and also a pretty decent messenger. I yeah. like their messenger quite a bit. Um, well, certainly like because. N- google's social thing never really took off so like you have yeah. google circles and stuff yeah, but yeah. no one Everyone ever friended anywhere. someone on google right mm-hmm. um but if you have the option and you can do google hangouts that works just like facebook messenger except a little more smoothly and you can seamlessly put in videos and stuff yeah um or rather video feed of the person um but and calendars on google are great but since it doesn't have the same adoption for that feature as facebook does facebook still is probably the best way to coordinate for stuff until you have that one friend who deleted their Facebook and now you've got to text him to be like, Every hey, time. Jenkins, are you coming to the thing? Because we changed the place. Yeah. Um, that's on you, Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess we're, we were talking about mitigation strategies now, how we can deal with this shit. Yeah, I mean, I, we can talk, we can kind of oscillate back and forth into how it gets in your face and how to get away from it. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't take Herculean steps to get away from it. I do feel like deleting your account completely does cut you off quite a bit. It does. And so props to Jenkins for doing that. I find uh, it sometimes a little harder to... Yeah, it is harder to connect with some people when they aren't on Facebook. They're, yeah. It's just... It's a good event coordinator. It's horrible as an archive and as a way to have conversations. Absolutely like the anti of those things. If you wanted to destroy relationships and you wanted to destroy... An, an archive of what has happened on the internet, you would use Facebook. Right. Because <laughs> it's good for those things, uh, or, or terrible for those things, I guess. But uh, but it's good for recording events and for text messaging. Yeah. And, and for, for sharing photos. And for Malthusian nightmares. And for Malthusian uh, nightmares, yeah. But uh, Or Malachian nightmares. Right. Well, um, well, kind of similar, yeah. But for Malachian ni- nightmares, you're right. Uh, I, there, I mean, there's just the opt-out option. I have opted out of Twitter almost entirely. Uh, I tweet maybe once or twice a year just to say, hey, here's the new thing that I got published in. I didn't know you're on Twitter. Yeah, I, I have a Twitter account. Oh, do you? I haven't used it since 2012, but okay. I have one. Yeah, I, I use it literally just to say, hey, I'm publishing something. Here you go. Nice. Uh, I have every now and then I post something, but that's like once a year. Uh, I have never done the Snapchat. I'm like, fuck that. Uh, I know Zvi, who I'm following much more closely now, uh, his blog, uh, has opted out of Facebook entirely which I think is a harsh step, but there, there are some, I mean, the guy who did the Facebook, who worked for Facebook and created the likes, he has entirely opted out of Facebook and doesn't let his family use it either, which I don't know if that really works. Your kids are probably going to be using it at school or something. Well, and like they can put it on their phones unless you're going to just full on, you know, yeah. you know, own their phones and ensure that you're going to lock everything and all that. Right. Um, I'm on Snapchat, but it's less of a social thing and more of its way for me to, you know, send and receive pictures of animals. Yeah. Um, so it and it doesn't take up memory, you know, other than like the app, but you don't have to like, you know, like my if someone texts me the image, it's saved in my history and I have to go through and clear out my messages once in a while because it ends up taking up gigs of data after a few months. Yeah. Um but Snapchat, you know, a friend of mine has a Bengal cat that he sends me a video of like three times a week and I like that. Um but there's uh it's hard to see the well it's they have news on there in that uh if you don't know a lot about Snapchat, it's kind of pointless. But basically the news isn't thrown in your face. Mm and 
it's super easy to ignore. Yeah. Um, it's not like you have to watch it to get to the content you want, like on YouTube or something. I know Scott Alexander once posted about uh, how awful Tumblr is for, uh, I believe his post was called The Taxoplasma of Rage, where uh, Tumblr is optimized just to get people upset as well. But, I mean, he still uses it too, so... <laughs> I tried being on Tumblr for like two months and got yeah. into some argument with somebody who was completely insane. Mm-hmm. I defend, she probably thought I was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, this is... The the rumors were true. This is the level of discourse here. I'm out. <laughs> um, plus, it's just not a great way to, to optimize for what you want. Like, a subreddit works a lot better. Um, uh, yes. If you like... It, but if that means you have to tolerate Reddit. So if, yeah. you're, if you don't like the, the weird jokes there, then you're not going to like it. But There's a few Tumblrs I follow, which I really like. I mean, if you curate your experience, you can do it well. And I think that's... I mean, that is the more important way to deal with things like on facebook i still use facebook a bunch but now i limit my time on it and i have very strict rules about what i will engage there's certain things that when i see i just like i'm gonna keep scrolling i may have an opinion but you know what i know what's gonna happen so just fuck this keep going it's not worth it i've done that where like i sometimes i'll even think of a response and I could be like, man, this would be a good way. Nope, nope, I'm out. You're like, am I actively contributing to the Malachian nightmare? Yes, that would be <laughs> contributing to the nightmare. I'm not going to do that. Well, I would like to think that, like, I remember after the uh, the result of the election, people mm. were like, man, it was you third-party voters. That's why Clinton won. Mm. And you even lost. Even, excuse me. Yeah, if only. Freudian slip. <laughs> um, uh, people were like, people were sharing articles or at least statuses of like blaming people who voted for third parties. That's why Clinton lost. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I have sensible friends who pointed out, it's like, actually, actually those numbers wouldn't have won her the election. It was the failure of turnout that mm-hmm. lost her the election. Um, those people were shat on for like, you know, fuck you for disagreeing with me. Um, but they weren't like trying to engage in a fight. They were just like, Oh, you're actually a little wrong about this. Would you like to be corrected? Um, whereas like some people would, would like to be corrected and not be spreading misinformation. Some people don't, they were just pissed. And I get that. So, one of the things I did with Facebook way before I stopped being on it, and actually this probably streamlined my way to do it, is I disabled notifications from my phone. Cool. So I still have the app because at this time I didn't really have a computer that I was on all that often. I have an old Mac, or I had an old Mac that I, you know, hate using because it's old. Yeah. Three gigs of RAM and it's now 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, no, wait, 10. Anyway, so... I was on the desktop version that much, so I had it on my phone. And yeah, lock screen notifications, that red badge that you're talking about. And I'm the kind of guy who can't ignore the red badge. Mm-hmm. I've seen people's phones, they have 2,600 unread emails. And uh, these are the same people who I think their desktops on their computers are just like oh, no folders. Icons yeah. on the desktop. Yeah. So, yeah. Like for now, I mean, my phone, I have a Facebook, I have a message in my social folder and Messenger. I have a, you know, so like um, I'm the, I check those pretty compulsively. So I deleted the thing that, puts the badges on Facebook at all. So now I don't even see notifications. And what's fun is it's still trying to get, like, so when I go back on once a month-ish to make a, an event for Less Wrong, I'll get, like, 15 notifications. And what, a lot of them are just pointless, random things like, oh, this person posted a new status. Mm. And it's like, this person posts on Facebook three times a day. Okay. You're just trying to, you, you, I, maybe it doesn't, it must know, but it maybe it's trying to hope that I'll see the notification thing down there when I open the app yeah. and be, you know, why is there 15? What's happening? What's blowing up? Why do I want to get in on this? But it's just thinking of excuses to get me to get notifications. You know, things that it doesn't bug people about who I think we're on every day. Maybe it is doing this people now. I don't know. Do you get noti- Do you get notifications that someone posted a status? Uh, I get enough notifications every day that Facebook doesn't have to do that to give me more status updates. Yeah, so I was wondering if they maybe every, that... every now and then I'll see that like maybe once a month or something, but it's usually for people that 
like haven't posted in a long time and facebook will let me know they posted okay so i was wondering i wasn't wanting to be too like you know shakespearean and assuming that this was something that they only did to people who are ignoring the app no, it's, maybe it's, it's a new feature they, they 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 do target people who ignore their stuff more yeah so part of what uh and we were talking about this a little earlier with google circles that makes uh something like facebook kind of insidious makes it sound like they're being deliberately bad but whatever um is that there isn't really a competitor right, right? um oh you don't want to use facebook you know, try LinkedIn. It's like, that's not a social network to get no. together. And you know, in fact, I don't even know if there's an events thing on LinkedIn. There definitely is actually, I think. Okay. Um, but it's mainly for like, Hey, Denver startup week is happening, you know, next month. Yeah. Um, but it's not for like, want to grab a beer. Yeah. Um, so, uh, there isn't a competitor. There isn't a competitor to YouTube that anyone really uses. Like people try to get stuff off the ground, but you know, YouTube is pretty big and monolithic at this point. There's just no, I mean, there's sometimes Vimeo, um daily motion yeah but, but you know, i mean you know you basically youtube stuff and i don't have vimeo or daily motion bookmarked or, or like if i go to type in vim it doesn't bring up vimeo on my right. taskbar or my url because i don't go there often enough yeah. i only go there if something links me there that youtube didn't host or they didn't post to youtube for whatever reason i you know i consider social media to be a new technology basically at the same level as alcohol the what I mean is that they both are extremely addictive. They make people feel good in the short term, which is why they're addictive, but they have very bad long-term consequences and they're very easy to abuse. And I I don't remember where I heard this and I tried to look it up recently and couldn't find it, so maybe it's bullshit. I remember hearing once that uh, every culture, when they first discovered or were introduced to alcohol, had about a hundred-year period where they stop doing anything useful. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, where uh, they, you know, they're going along, they're being fine, they're having normal culture, alcohol enters the picture, and then for the next hundred years, they're basically going to the shitter, nothing is working well, and eventually the culture figures out how to adapt to alcohol and integrate it, and now people can use it like with some level of moderation. And uh, China had a similar thing happen with opium, although that was... Also due in large part to the British pushing it on them for profit's sake. Uh, but again, new technologies like that can really fuck things up for a while before we invent social technologies to deal with it. Ways to uh, have some alcohol in moderation, ways that we, we deal with this disruption. And I feel like we are still in the area where we have not figured out how to deal with this disruption and it's currently fucking up our society beyond you know all recognition maybe not all recognition but it's fucking up pretty bad and it has had disastrous consequences that have increased the chances of nuclear war on the planet and so that's sort of what bums me out like you know if we took a, a decade or if we took a few decade dip 100 years ago that would have been a drag right mm -hmm. now everyone could die and i think i think we'll get there and i think people just really do need to start being much more serious and considerate about how they use it and treat it like a drug like alcohol the when do you want to use it make sure you're using facebook make sure you're using social media responsibly don't facebook and drive or whatever the new thing would be don't there, facebook angry i don't know there's another uh, uh analogy to alcohol there in that people tend to enjoy their time on facebook mm -hmm. and then subsequently regret their time they spent on facebook yes and also the the analogy that when this first shows up, uh, the immediate reaction is to ban it, that this is horrible and it's destroying things and we should just opt out entirely, like the people that are leaving all social media. But 
it's not a long-term sustainable option. People like it enough that it'll always be there. So you have to find some other way to deal with it rather than just opting out entirely, which is why I'm trying to push for more moderation things like don't respond to things that make you angry or unfriend the people who always share or at least unfollow the people who always share outrage baby stuff. Well, and Tristan Harris makes a point like this too, that even just disabling the the lock screen notifications mm-hmm. so that it's not, you know, because you check your phone, I think 150 times a day was the number he threw out in his paper, wow. um, which is probably low for some people. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure what a check counts. Like if I open it again to do the thing I was finishing earlier, I don't know, if, you know, whatever. But yeah, if if you go to look at your phone and check the time or whatever, and oh, look, new Facebook thing, and you open up Facebook, um, that pulls you back in too. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I don't want to be like the old curmudgeonly old man who's like, eh, Facebook's bad and you shouldn't you shouldn't be on the social media. You get out there and meet people. Um, well, I mean, that's that's... First of all, I do agree that it's much better to go out and meet people. But uh, on the other hand, you know, people say alcohol is bad. And sure, alcohol is bad, but everyone still drinks alcohol. So Facebook's the same kind of way. Yeah, it's bad, but there's also some good aspects to it. Don't fucking overdo it. Yeah. And kind of like... Be aware of what's happening. Kind of like drinking too much. People don't look back on a three-hour Facebook binge and mm-hmm. say that was time well spent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think keeping it from jumping down your face all the time by by having lock screen notifications enabled is one thing that people could do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I guess maybe we haven't made a sufficient case for why they should bother doing that. So one thing that did, and I could find a reference for this if we need to. Um, I feel like it might be popular knowledge, but I'm not sure. Um, Facebook contributes to people with depressive uh, tendencies in that you get sampling bias from looking at your Facebook feed because people aren't sharing their boring, mundane lives. They're sharing the times they're doing exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. Look at me, I went hiking. Look at me, I got married. Look at me, I uh, got a new dog. What other other stuff people talk about? Um, so you're not seeing the 16 hours a day that they, or whatever. Um, you're not seeing the boring times. You're only seeing the highlights. And so because that's what you see as you're scrolling through, you see everyone up to the cool stuff and you're like, I'm just scrolling through Facebook right now. I'm not doing anything cool. Another good reason to limit your time on Facebook, or or at least moderate how you use Facebook, I'm willing to bet that over 90% of our listeners, maybe over 95% of our listeners who have been on Facebook for at least three years, have least have lost at least one friend. They're uh, like a person who is a good, decent person that you like hanging out with. Something happened on Facebook, and you guys couldn't be friends anymore because of some bullshit blow up. That's probably happened. Yeah, I I know it's happened to me. I'm trying to think if that ever happened to me. I never got that involved in a lot of Facebook flame wars, okay. um, but I, I know people has happened to, okay. um, but I also didn't have that many Facebook friends. So, okay. uh, but just finishing the last thing I was going to say was that, uh, oh, no, you're good. Um, you get a sampling bias and yes. so people don't, uh, especially if you already are predisposed, predisposed to depressive tendencies, you just, you get this idea that everyone else up to all this cool stuff and you're not, and that bums people out. Uh, we do have. Uh, I Matt, I remember when he heard that we were going to talk about this, had a thing to say when I was going to say that social media is awful and really is destroying our society. Uh, Matt wanted to point out that social media can also be great and wonderful if you are isolated uh, someplace without a lot of people who think like you. And that is what keeps you sane uh, and can get you through a hard part in your life. And I wanted to say that I guess that's true. When I was in high school, like Facebook didn't exist yet because I'm very, very old. <laughs> but uh, I had I had very few people in my life that I could actually relate to. And being on certain internet forums really, I don't know if it saved my life, but it 
it made my life much more bearable. It would have been awful without it. And I think Matt had similar experiences where it was the thing that kept him sane to be able to talk with other people who who felt like he did. And I think that was probably also a, a experience of a lot of atheists in the uh, early 2000s as well, uh, because there weren't a lot of out atheists yet, and it was still very taboo. And when you could find people on the internet who said, no, you're not insane and you're not an immoral monster this really is crazy bullshit these people are spewing and you could talk with them about it, it it helped. And that wasn't really social media the same way that there is social media nowadays, but if people spend a lot of time on Facebook and it helps them, I think that's good too. That is one of the ways, you know, that the, the, the knowing yourself and knowing what you can tolerate and the moderation is the key. Like, are you making society worse off by spreading outrage or are you making your life better by connecting with people and having an outlet for, for the socialization that you can't get where you are? Unless you're connecting over outrage and then you're in this weird interstice between the two. It's bad. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And there, I mean, there are other uh, avenues to doing that, but certainly like, um, you know, going to the bar and asking like, Hey, who else believes this weird thing that I believe is not the way to do that. Cause you could get your ass kicked. Right. <laughs> Depending um, on where you are. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely, I mean, there's obviously perks. I mean, the other perks is that, you know, it lets you keep in touch with people and there's all kinds of reasons that this got popular. Mm. Um, but, uh, I think certainly Tristan Harris's point, you know, he, he points out that just, there's a lot built into this that doesn't have your goals. Your goals aren't its goals. Yes. Um, drastically not. Yeah. So that's the, that's the downside, right? I mean, goals is to keep you on there forever and take everything from you. Yeah. And like Reddit has a lot of things that suck. Um, a lot of people suck a lot of like the culture sucks, but man, if you want to get on and talk about, you know, uh, your favorite sports team or, uh, your favorite video game or movie or whatever the subreddits I'm on, like random video games or I don't know, other random things. Those people go to those subreddits to talk about those things. And yeah, you're not making, because it's, it's way more anonymous than Facebook, um, in the fact that you can't post personal information mm-hmm. or personal identifiable information, um, unless you're a celebrity. But you're at least there with like-minded people. But going onto your Facebook feed and saying, who likes the Broncos? Uh, you'll probably get people like, fuck the Broncos. And I like the Broncos. But that's that's not the best way to get that sort of like, you know, friendship chamber. Is that really... People get that upset about sports? I have no idea. Okay. I've never posted. I can say with pretty... Oh, wait, no. I posted a sports thing once. I showed an SNBC comic. Or it wasn't SNBC. It was some little web comic of like a sports announcer. It might have been the oatmeal. Of like, yeah, they went out there. We tried to sports hard than them. And we got the ball to the point zone more times than they did. And that's, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, that's the closest I went to a sports post. I guess mainly what I'm saying is if you see something that makes you outraged... Ask yourself first, am I contributing to the downfall of society through Malachian nightmarish means? And then don't do that. And when other people do do that, I don't know. Like, maybe, I don't know how to say to someone politely, I think you might be destroying society. Yeah, that wouldn't be the way I'd put it. Um, (laughs) I liked your way of saying, you know, have you considered that you're working for the Russians by sharing this? But yeah. uh, I don't know what kind of response you get to that. That's interesting. I've been rambling for like 10 minutes. Okay. So. Do we want to Do we want to move on then? I don't feel like we've covered this that well, but I don't know what else to say articulately. Yeah, um, I, I think once we've run out of articulate things to say, we may be done. All right, let's try this really quick. I'll jump through and we'll, I'm going to read the... Uh, the essay is not that long on Tristan Harris's website, which is tristanharris.com. 
pretty catchy name. I can, I can run through and read the the top, like the 10 hijack things. Okay. So the, you know, it's the hijacks that take over your mind. Yeah. So we talked about hijack one. We can just respond to these or run past them if you want, but I thought it'd be fun. Um, hijack two, put a slot machine in a billion pockets. We kind of talked right. about that. We did. Where you never know what you're going to get and that refresh is nice. And a lot of the refreshes are calculated. So like the, like, like you said, the one on, uh, was it uh, Gmail? Mm-hmm. Was an accident at first, mm-hmm. but that's how you reload your Twitter. And uh, according to Tristan, when you refresh your Twitter account or your, your Twitter feed and it spins for a second, mm-hmm. it doesn't take a second. <laughs> um, that's there to get you okay. focused and ready. A lot of this thing has come off like, you know, again, grumpy old man, you know, Facebook's ruining the world kind of mm-hmm. thing. But it's more just like you might not be aware of all the ways that it's calculated to keep your to maximize your time on screen. And that's not what you want out of Facebook, but that's what Facebook wants out of you. Yeah. It's not just Facebook. It's everything, which, you know, is part of the problem. Hijack number three, fear of missing something important. Right. And that definitely kept me on for a while, too. Oh, really? Um, I, well, I have I mean, come I have come to accept that there is nothing super important on Facebook. If it's important enough to actually be important, I'll find about it in some find out about it in some other way. And I no longer expect anyone to see anything that I put on Facebook. Like if they do, great. That's why I put it on Facebook. But I do not assume that just because I put it on Facebook, it's now common knowledge. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of it. The other thing maybe is just defining like what you know the important part means. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I would certainly hope that if like a family member was in the hospital, I wouldn't hear about it on Facebook, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd hope someone would call me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Or text me who uses their phone as a phone. Um, I do want to also right now, uh, I don't think I've ever said this before, but I would like to come out very strongly in favor of seeing people in meat space. There is something very different about actually feeling like the vibrations as they speak. Uh, the, the actual feeling sounds hitting your eardrums of like smelling them and being able to touch them and interact with them and reading all their body language. I think that is just vastly important and a hugely deep psychological need that we have, which Facebook kind of mimics and pretends to, to, um, to fulfill, but it really doesn't. You still feel kind of empty afterwards almost all the time. And I think if people were able to take that time that they use on Facebook and somehow, you know, put it all in a row. I mean, that's the problem with Facebook, right? You can't spend that time socializing because it's like on a train, you check it for 10 minutes or something. But if you could somehow take all that time and just stick it together at one end of your week and meet people face to face, just so much higher quality of interaction to see people in meet space. I enjoy in-person conversations more too. Yeah. There's something to be said about like a good text conversation, like via instant messenger, because mm-hmm. then I can articulate myself better. Mm-hmm. I sound better in, in typing than I do in, in speech. Right. Um, Less um, things through exactly, uh, but uh, I'm tempted to throw in this really quick because we uh, we were gonna have Shelly on as a guest and she talked about uh, you know like simulation stuff now she's in favor. Mm-hmm. Does simulation meet space count as meet space? I mean, depends on how high enough fidelity. I guess. It is, yeah. yeah. All right. Fair enough. If it's indistinguishable from real life, then yeah, it counts. Fair enough. All right. So f- missing something important. Um, social approval. Uh, is the fourth hack, and I mean, I'm I'm skimming, and it's it, I don't feel like social approval is the best name for this category. Um, he talked about how you know, like when you are tagged in pictures, mm-hmm. it's less of like uh, someone, you know, dragging a square over your face and typing in Steven Zuber or Steven Zuber or whatever to tag me. Facebook knows what my face looks like yeah. and says, 
actually, Facebook doesn't know what my face looks like. For some weird reason, whenever Rachel posts pictures of me and, and her together, uh-huh. uh, it asks if she wants to tag Scott, my twin brother, uh. who hasn't posted on Facebook since high school. Huh. And who looks a lot less like me than I look, right. even though we're identical <laughs> twins. Yeah. Um, and like something in Facebook's algorithm is missing the fact that Rachel and I like live together and have been dating for seven years or yeah. six years, however long it's been. So yeah. um, maybe it's just trying to sneakily get Scott to come back on Facebook. <laughs> that very well might actually be a part of it um, because it, it auto generates who do you want to tag. Mm. Let's see here. Number five was, I think, tit for tat. Where was it? Social reciprocity. Mm-hmm. So poke, and you feel oh, obligated God. to reciprocate a poke. Yeah. Um, I they got rid of that bullshit. Certainly, like, happy birthdays. Mm. Um, you know, those, it even has the feature where uh, you don't have to go to their page. You can just do it from, like, the top of your feed. Yeah. I like that feature. If that's your thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Number six, bottomless bowls, infinite feeds, and autoplay. We talked about right. autoplay a bit. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the cool thing about autoplay, though, is if I'm watching, if I'm watching binging with Babish, my mm-hmm. one of favorite YouTube channels that I, well, one of my newer favorite YouTube channels, he makes uh, food from TV and movies and video games. It's really fun, and if you haven't seen an episode, I strongly recommend it. He uh, just has this fun presentation and delivery, and you know, he posts the full recipe on the on the description if you want to make it. Um, and he has this cool voice and a great beard. Um, anyway, uh, if I'm watching binging with Babish and I finish the six minute episode, it'll play the next one for me. And it's like, what, what's cool though, is that like, it doesn't, it doesn't show me keeping up with the Kardashians or whatever bullshit, right? It shows me something I probably would have wanted to watch anyway. But you can click. Like, oh, well, I know. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, it's not like it's throwing nonsense in my face. Yeah. It's throwing, uh, you know, I guess if you can skip the ads between videos, um, but it's, it's, it's showing what I want to watch. That's part of what makes it kind of, again, insidious makes it sound more deliberately sinister than it is. Mm-hmm. It's part of what makes it so, um, Addictive? Yeah, addictive and sneaky. It's because, mm-hmm. you know, it is showing you stuff you want. And that's not, you know, it's not a feature that uh, people would be super pissed about because it's like, I'm why always, am I? You'd be more pissed special, if it was showing you, uh, you know, whatever insane shit you hate, right? If it was showing you that after everything you watched that you liked, I that'd might be, super be one degree more pissed. But I'm I, I you you <laughs> underestimate how pissed I get I I when my computer plays something and I did not specifically tell it to play that. Fair enough. Number seven, instant interruption versus respectful delivery. Okay. Um, so we talked about that with the notifications popping up and stuff. Yep. Um, respectful delivery might be you know, like a nice way of saying. All it's right, like Facebook, when you check your email. Yeah. Um, you unless decide your, unless when you your email your jumps email. up and shows you. Right. Uh, you know, some of my accounts do that. My most annoying one doesn't. Um, but it would be kind of cool, and this is not the kind of feature you can expect because it doesn't fit with the Malthusian or the Malachian trap of how Facebook and other social networking has worked out. But if you could say, okay, cool, Facebook, uh, show on my lock screen at 11.30 because that's when I take my lunch break. Mm. So that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Show me the top five things you think I want to look at. Yeah. But it won't do that. You, if, you, you, if you have it enabled, it's there all the time, not just for certain time slots. Yep. So that's the kind of respectful delivery. Hijack 8... Uh, bundling your reasons with their reasons. And we kind of talked about the the alignment problem with you want to get on Facebook to talk with your friends and see the news, and they want you to be on Facebook to be on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but the example that he gives quickly is, you know, in the in the physical world of grocery stores, uh, you know, you go to the grocery store to get to the, go to the pharmacy or get milk, but they don't want you just running out, so they put that shit at the back. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of funny. Uh, they make the customers 
they make the thing that the customers want inseparable from what the business wants, which is spending more time in the store. Um, so that's actually, man, again, a lot of it sounds so sinister, but it's just an accident of how it came out. Right. Um, number nine, inconvenient choices. Uh, we talked about that. There's no like alternatives. Um, you know, if you don't like it, you can always unsubscribe or you can always leave the product or whatever, but it's like, there isn't, there are things that do fa- what Facebook does, the parts that you might like. Like if you like the social stuff, there's Meetup. Mm-hmm. And Meetup, I'm not on it that much, but I think it's probably less in your face than Facebook is. Um, and I'm not super... I assume, I assume so. I'm not super anti-Facebook. It sounds like I am because I'm railing on it, mm-hmm. but that's just sort of the point of the episode. I Yeah, I use Facebook a lot, like multiple hours a day every day. So, but I feel like I do not use it as irresponsibly. <laughs> I, I, I sacrifice my time to it but at least I do not sacrifice my friendships and spread outrage to to the people I care about. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're aware of what's going on, that's you know at least you're you're aware of it. Kind of like moderating your drinking, right? Mm-hmm. Or planning not to bring your car keys if you're planning on getting wasted or whatever. Um, it's like drinking, but then not being a rude asshole while you're drunk. <laughs> uh, the last one is uh, forecasting errors and foot in the door strategies. Um, so foot in the door is like, uh, this was in that book. I keep insisting that you read, um, influence science and practice. Yeah. But the, the general idea is that if you get someone to agree to something small, they're more likely to agree to something big. Okay. Um, and there's all kinds of fun, wacky experiments people did on people to prove this. People don't know like the full cost of what they agree to when they sign into Facebook or something. But yeah, so you get on and you know, if you delete your account, I think unless there's some new way around this, but at least for a while you, uh, couldn't like say, all right, Facebook, I want you to delete my pictures and my posts. Mm. Facebook's like, nope, they'll post those. Those are ours forever. Okay. Um, so certainly a lot of the content that you put out there is available for everybody. So you can make your stuff private, but if you comment on someone's page who theirs isn't private, people can see your comments. Gotcha. And so, you know, even like a lot of people I know meet, you know, have their Facebook set to private for, you know, whatever reason that they don't want their employer to know that they drink or are atheist or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you, you uh, RSV, RSVP to a skeptics conference or an atheist conference, and they don't. The conference probably isn't private. Right. So if someone wants to search what what events did this guy go to, boom, it shows that you went to these. Uh, so uh, I think people not might not be aware what they're giving up when they sign up, mm-hmm. um, and that's going to be true for everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there's. I mean, certainly with Google, uh, and I I have none of these problems with Google because Google isn't in my face as much, and when they are, I kind of appreciate it. Okay. And I think that's kind of what they're going for. Um, but I mean, like Google, I mean, unless you tell the app not to track you unless you're using it. Um, but, uh, you know, it knows where you are all the time. Mm-hmm. And so does your uh, your iPhone Maps app. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uses that information unless there's some other sinister motives involved. Put on your tinfoil hats. Um, but for like traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I know how long it'll take to get to your place from the uh, light rail station because of it, everyone else who's taken that route. Well, and there's enough people with their phones in their cars. Yeah. They don't even have to have the maps open, but it knows how tr- how congested traffic is because these cars are moving really slow. Yeah. So it can give me an accurate time distance, not a, if the roads are empty, you can get there in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It gives me 26 minutes or whatever, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, there are good things behind a lot of these, but, you know, you might not know that, hey, uh, my location is always available for people. And I don't know if it's available to a person to get on and see where you are. Um, maybe... But who knows? I don't know. Uh, Probably those Russian hackers or those Chinese hackers or those American hackers. (laughs) That that hacker 4chan, right? I think that was his name. Yeah. All right. I think we've come full circle. Okay. Um, 
we need a guest, I think, to keep us reined in. Yeah. I had fun. I did too. I hope you guys had fun. We're going to move on to listener feedback. Yes. Actually, before that, we want to do, I want to do like a sort of in-depth co-host feedback thing. Let's do it. Okay. So, uh, Shelly, who has been a co-host a couple times, was talking to me about a earlier episode. It was the um, Emotionally Charged Conversations episode where I made the claim that someone shouldn't be judged morally bad because they are factually wrong about something. And Shelly had pushback with that. And she said that, no, I think there are many cases where you can judge someone to be morally bad if they are factually wrong about things. And I I wanted to like address that for a while because I think, I sort of think she has a point. Uh, I mainly go back to my um, my days on the atheist forums where every now and then you would be talking about, the, at the time it was evolution, you would be talking about uh, evolution stuff with people, with theists, and they, this was back when there was no, you know, God-directed evolution thing yet. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't popular yet, anyway. Uh, and they would make these really absurd claims, which were just, gross misrepresentations like uh if i were to go and fuck my dog there wouldn't be a half human half dog hybrid that pops out of that which is what evolution says should happen right (laughs) just something really stupid but then uh that gets pointed out to them as not being true and they don't update and for a normal person on the internet that's really just infuriating but there are like professional debaters uh Dwayne gish comes to mind ken ham who will go and not i mean they aren't professional debaters they are professional bullshitters and they debate occasionally yeah they're professional clergy in some uh, some manner and they debate people occasionally and they will make certain claims that are factually incorrect but sound like they could be plausible to the people who are not educated about uh evolution and the people they're debating with will set them straight they will explain the situation to them. They will sometimes, after the fact, if it's like an online debate or, you know, just afterwards, if they remain in contact, they will send them evidence and and uh, citations and all this. And they will say, oh, okay, great. Thank you for setting me straight. And then continue to repeat what they said over and over, uh, the stuff that's wrong. And I believe those people really are morally culpable for spreading falsehoods, right? I didn't hear Shelley's full... Uh position here Mm -hmm. i just heard what you said Mm -hmm. um but it sounds to me like the distinction could be if they're lying or not yeah not if they're spreading misinformation like if you're accidentally wrong Mm -hmm. and someone points it out Mm -hmm. then oh my bad i'll stop saying that yeah i don't think you know depending on the damage you did you'd have to go back and try and put out fires but um so like like ken ham knows that he's that uh he can't say scientists are all he can't say science is on his side right yeah and every time he does he's lying yeah. and uh um what but see i want to i want to like now take this to someplace where people could be plausibly wrong um by by that i want to say at burning man i got to introduce grover norquist before he spoke at a event which was really cool uh, I don't know who that is. Oh, Grover Norquist. He's probably most uh, well-known for being the guy who organized the uh, pledge that all Republicans sign now saying they will not raise taxes. Uh, he has sort of a right-wing uh, think tank that he heads up, and he mainly hates uh, the expansion of government power 
and he wants to rein in government and reduce the size and the power of the federal government. Uh, and one of his major tools for that has been to have this pledge that all Republicans sign saying we will not raise taxes, which has been responsible for huge amount of gridlock over the past decade, two decades, uh, which a lot of people dislike him for. But he's basically a political, big political guy. Anyways, I introduced him. I was like, oh, my God, I am talking to someone who has talked to like every president personally so far. I am now two degrees separated. This is awesome. Uh, I, I don't know if he's talked to Trump actually, but you know, he, he, he talks to Congress people often on a first name basis with them. And someone near the end pulled out a gotcha question about global warming. And here is where I say that if you are going to try to gotcha someone, you should be at least as intelligent and read up on the subject as they are <laughs> because he's a global warming denialist, but he's extremely intelligent and he has read a lot about it. And when he, explained why he is a denialist i was like i can see his point he has there is a lot of misinformation out there and even like just semi-plausible doubts that you can create if that is your industry to create doubt about things like whether tobacco causes cancer or whether carbon is warming the globe and so once you're i mean uh, who was it uh richard Feynman said the most important thing is not to be fooled and you are the best person at fooling yourself. Something along those lines, right? Uh, I think your first formulation was close enough. It was close enough. Yeah. Okay, right. Uh, and so he, when you're really smart and know a lot about researching issues, that doesn't make you impervious to wrong opinions. It just means you're even better at finding ways to justify your wrong opinions. And he is terrified of large government. He wants to cut it down. He doesn't want government in his business and telling him who he can or can't marry or who he can, what drugs he can or can't do or whatever it is. And he views this global warming thing as a thing that will expand government power, which I mean, it will, the government's going to have to regulate things like how much carbon you can burn. It's, it's a thing that just gives them more power when they regulate it, but it's also really important to regulate this so that we don't have horrific climate change. Yeah. So that is why he is strongly motivated to seek out reasons why it's not a big deal and we shouldn't give the government this power. And, and that was when I was like, Oh, I see trying to change things purely through politics is really hard because there will always be smart people like this who are on the wrong side. But is he morally negligent for, since he pushes the levers of policy and speaks publicly and yet he did a lot of research and got the wrong answer. How, how morally culpable is he for having that wrong answer? I want to kind of take that in order, but I wanted to get clarification on something that you said right at the beginning of that, which mm -hmm. was that if you're going to ask a gotcha question to somebody, you need to be as informed as they are. Mm -hmm. um, do you mean that in just the case of gotcha questions, if you're going to say, whatever this guy's name is wrong about climate change. Do I need to be more informed about climate change than he is for me to say that? Just to say that he's wrong, no. But uh, if you're going to try to engage him in a public forum, oh, you're yeah. going to end up looking bad and scoring points for him. Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> in that context, I totally agree. I thought you were saying something much more egregious that I was going to kick back on and saying that I have to be... I have to know all the ins and outs of intelligent design theory to call Ken Ham a bullshit artist. No, no, no. Um, just don't try to engage with him in public about it because he's going to make you look bad if you haven't read up as much gotcha. as he has. Okay, I thought you were challenging the epistemological standing of the person making the question because gotcha. they weren't as informed as he was. Yeah. But you were just saying, don't. if you do it this way, you're going to cause bad fallout. Stop. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, how culpable is he? I'm 
tempted to say still a lot. I, especially on a question like climate change, I feel like, uh, yes, he's very intelligently wrong, but not excusably wrong. Okay. He thinks that he knows more than 97% of scientists and like those 3% are kind of like the, I imagine many of them are like the people who, you know, the evolutionary biologists who have PhDs in biology, but have been young earth creationists their whole life mm-hmm. where they just go to school, you know, often with funding to get a PhD so they can say, I'm a scientist and this is all bullshit. And he, they, had, he had some arguments as to why that 97% number is inflated. Even if it's 90, even if it's 90, right? I, um, what if it's something more like 47? Um, I would be curious how he got that number. Right. And I'm sure he could give me a really awesome reason because this is his job to argue this. Yeah. Um, but I, so, I don't think it's 47, but he has reasons that he thinks it may be drastically lower than 97. Yeah, I mean, so that particular, this is why you're right. In order for me to engage him personally, I'd have to know more. I'd have to be at least as intelligent on the subject as he is because I couldn't yeah. respond to that point. Yeah. Um, but in general, how culpable is he? That, that's like, I mean, to pick a uh, another example, we were talking before the air about like anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. Um, these people go online, they read a lot. Mm-hmm. They find uh, Wakefield's paper and they find everything talking about it and they go to their nutritionist and the nutritionist agrees with them. They've, in a sense, done their due diligence, right? Okay. Um, but they're still like killing kids as a result. Yeah. And so, like, just and from a utilitarian standpoint, back into the dark ages of fucking communicable diseases that kill children that don't have to. Yeah. Um, so, like, the utilitarian answer is pretty easy. Like, they're doing harm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, they've done a bad thing. But, uh, like, as far as the character of the person, are they a bad person? Um, they've made a a somewhat honest mistake, but I, I guess I don't know. I would like to think I've never been that egregiously wrong about something. I mean, uh, and I, I, I've believed stupid things, but I've never like stood my ground on them. I've, I've been slow to move, but like, I've never, uh, because I never dug my feet in and, you know, made it a fight. I'm trying to think of, you've known me for a while. Is there anything stupid that I've changed my mind on that I took too long to do? I don't know. Alonzo Fife, remember when we had him on a while ago? The yeah. the moral, yeah, uh, uh, the ethicist guy. Uh, he has this thing, this analogy he makes that if you are a truck driver and you are carrying a heavy load out onto you know a highway, you have a moral responsibility to make sure it is secured. And uh, they're they're he, well, I don't want to say too much about his past, but people have died because truck drivers did not take the time to secure a load that should have been secured came off their truck in the highway killed someone and he makes the comparison that uh there there is a certain moral responsibility to make sure that your intellectual load is secured as well if you are going to believe things like the jews are destroying society you have a strong responsibility to make sure that those opinions are very firmly supported by something that is true uh as opposed to just wishful thinking and some bullshit that you heard online yeah so that's similar to i think i mentioned ages ago on the podcast clifford's ethics of belief mm-hmm. uh where he talked about like the boat captain you know is my ship seaworthy exactly that sort of thing yeah but the difference between the boat captain and presumably the truck driver is that they didn't give themselves a bunch of sophisticated arguments to you know yes my load really is tied down i'm good yeah. um they just did they just didn't put in the work yeah but Alonso's argument is that if you didn't put in the work you are morally culpable for not having done that because we expect you to do that so i think when more closely with alonzo's or to, to tie it into alonzo's analogy though would be 
what if the truck driver tied what they thought were good knots because their friend showed them these knots and their mm -hmm. friend, you know, is a boy scout or whatever and knew all these mm -hmm. and either they missed a knot or their friend didn't show it to them right or whatever, but they thought they tied it down really well yeah. and they're like, it looks good to me. Mm -hmm. And like they, they actually put in the work, yeah. but they did it badly and right. then someone died as a result, right? That's I think more akin to uh, this climate change denialist position. Yeah. And I don't know how to hit that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the, the, the topic we were talking about on that episode was the Google memo guy. And I mean, he made some claims with some level of backup, but probably not. It, it's still a little bit controversial and he was not the right, obviously not the right person to say him, but he also wasn't making a public argument when he made this memo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, can you make a bad argument in private? Right. I, think I think you're much more uh, less culpable if you make a, a bad argument in private if, instead of just going to the microphone and screaming this at people, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway. That, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, especially on things that are tricky that aren't entirely settled yet. It's can Are you allowed to have an opinion without knowing everything and researching everything meticulously first? He, he read some things. There are some people who agree with him that... Uh, it's not a wrong on the face of it position. It he some of the things he said could have some evidence for them and could very well end up being true. Is evolution settled? Mm, well, what? How much of it? I mean, yes, we the know central, evolution happens. The central thesis of evolution. Yeah, theory. yeah, very much so. But there are clever arguers who would disagree, right? And they'd give you all these reasons. So, like, I I don't know if uh, climate change is as settled as evolutionary science. Mm -hmm. Um. But to say that humans have had no impact on global climate over the last two centuries, I think is like saying evolution never happened. Okay. Um, at least to say they have had no impact. You know, you can, you can, you can, you can, I think intelligently debate the fallout and how much or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like, I guess I'm, I'm hung up because anyone who wants to say, oh yeah, settled questions, we're not going to argue about. Of course, gravity is real, but evolution, that, that, that is still, you know, there's 3% of scientists who disagree with evolution. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't want to leave that door open to fall back on, but only because I'm worried of it being misused, yeah. but in the sense of it's being honestly used, that's a very good point. You know, like, uh, are eggs good or bad for you? There's some disagreement, right? Yeah. Um, and turns out human dietary science is really hard. And I don't mm -hmm. think, I think that is an open question. Um, maybe there's somebody, you know, with a good book out there who has proved that they're awesome or bad for you. But I don't think that, uh, that consensus has made it made the rounds yet. So, and I think if you read the book that proves that they're awesome or the book that proves that they're bad, holding that opinion, even if you're wrong, I mean, at least it was understandable, but that's, yeah. a, that's a truly unsettled issue, right? Yeah, or like yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's one where like you can't point to, you know, the human foundation of knowledge of like the last century disagrees with you. But there, there are some people who would disagree with some of the things that the Google memo guy said as strongly as we disagree that evolution and climate change is, you know, up in the air. And hmm. they would say, if you, if you are saying that he has some possibly good scientific points, rather than just saying he is as stupid as Ken Ham or a climate denialist, then you are as morally bad as those people are. Like, what do you say to that? I say I never actually read his memo. I'm not, oh, sure, okay. I'm not sure what claims he made. Uh, uh, I know one of them was like that women go for more people-oriented positions and yes. men go for more thing-oriented positions. Yes. Um, that, that, is, that is the main one that I'm talking about right now. And so that, uh, I don't know how subtle that is. Right. Um, 
that strikes me as vaguely possible, or at least vaguely plausible, actually. I mean, you know, there might be something to do that. And totally, I can think of examples that fit that. Yeah, um, but there are some people who would say that if you even are entertaining that possibility, you are as deluded as someone who says that evolution doesn't happen. And, and by not having, you know, researched and accepted all the, the people who say that that is the case, you are a sexist pig. Well then they're losing me right away, right? You don't win yeah. people over by calling them names. That's if true. they had said, hey, look, Stephen, I don't think your uh, position on this, or I don't think that your um, your tacit endorsement that this is a valid line of inquiry is as valid as you think it is. Have you read this? And they link me that, and I'm like, oh, shit, you're right. I've completely changed my mind. And then right. I'll say that. So that, that's, the, that's the difference between like being you know, honestly mistaken or you know, at least... Uh, understandably mistaken versus being outright dishonest mm-hmm. um you know so i guess it varies on how how well supported the thing actually is and how much of an impact that belief has on the world in combination this is actually a really tough question because yeah, like i mean you could you can and have people well, you haven't but people have written books on how 9-11 was an inside job and how it couldn't have happened this way right. and yet like the official story is almost definitely certainly mostly true mm-hmm. so like or uh another good one like the kennedy assassination is actually pretty settled mm-hmm. and it's been settled for decades but yeah. even people today are still he couldn't have done it by himself right. even and one of my favorite this never go to Penn and Teller's bullshit for anything like remote, remotely demonstrating proof of anything. Cause they made it to be funny. They didn't mean it to be super serious. Okay. Um, but in one of the episodes, they, you know, they talk about one of the arguments is like that. This guy couldn't have fired those three rounds that quickly. Mm. And Penn Gillette, who, you know, he's like, I don't think I've ever held this gun before. He fires off three rounds in less time than that. <laughs> okay. And so like it, that clearly isn't one of the things that would have slowed this down. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like how much harm are you doing if you say that, what, a, who was it? Lee Harvey Oswald that shot Kennedy. Yeah. Um, if you say that he didn't act alone, like, all right, whatever. You have fun none. talking about that. Yeah. But, you know, if your claim is something, again, like vaccines are bad. Yeah. Um, like and you're, po- you're literally killing children. Yeah. So part of it's the fallout. But like as far as like your, ep- your epistemological integrity, mm-hmm. um, you're right. I don't want to blame people who make an honest effort and do the wrong thing, even if bad stuff happens. That maybe you're not bad people. You're bad people. If I, after having the alternative put before you in a friendly way, and uh, you know, or if you refuse to engage, if you're a bad person, like if you know, if this is now your sacred cow and you won't touch your uh, your anti-vax beliefs because you're afraid that you might be proven wrong so i'm just not going to read your paper you lying big pharma shill right um like that i think speaks poorly of your integrity um you know i really wish i knew what unit of caring would say about this the the unit of caring is my favorite tumblr by far just an amazing tumblr always interesting and a genuinely good person that that runs it and uh, one of their big things is not calling people good or evil, just uh, evaluating situations and saying, this is a bad situation. I wish it were to be better as opposed to, you know, you are a bad person. Maybe I should send in an ask and see what they have to, how they would respond to this. Is Tumblr easy to find old stuff? I don't think it is. So if they had talked about this before, you'd really have no way of finding it easily. Yeah, I think you can Google it. 
Okay, cool. That makes yeah. sense. But you can't search within Tumblr's interface because it just you can scroll through their history and you can go to like right. to the archive where it shows pictures of the posts. Yeah. yeah. You know what? As long as you can Google it, I don't care. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons Facebook is such a horrible archive because you cannot Google things posted on Facebook. Now every every couple months, every single link that I've ever put on Facebook, I go and I copy onto my blog just so that I can search. Because I've had a number of times where a few months later, like something came up and I was like, oh yeah, let me link you to. Oh shit, that was on Facebook. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Ah fuck, I can't find it. So. I've done that so I can Google search the things that I have posted on Facebook. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so this might be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like, there's something that I like about that. I mean, I like saying that people can be good people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge fan of saying people are bad people. Mm-hmm. I do think that like you can say it's unfortunate that you're this way, but that's depending on how you're saying it. That's super like pretentious. Right. Yeah. Um, but think- like the fact of the matter is that like, you know, the anti-vaxxer down the street, we could get along, we could have gotten along great if they hadn't been exposed to the wrong ideas. Yeah. And of course, they're thinking the same thing about me. You know, if only this guy wasn't some brainwashed big pharma idiot. Um, he would stop poisoning children with mercury. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but like, so maybe that's part of it. You know, the, the specific claims that they make. Um, you know, so like if the, if this, I forget the guy's name at Burning Man, the uh, global warming denialist. Mm, Grover Norquist. Uh, if he had said... Um, you know, the temperature hasn't gone up in the last 50 years, then he's lying. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he, if that's not one of his arguments, then, you know, then there's a discussion to be had. So like an anti-vaxxer who keeps insisting that there's mercury in vaccines, even though they removed thimerosal, the mercury derivative, well, it's, it's mercury in Which the same way that like, uh, it's the same way that salt is, is sodium or yeah. 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 Or the same way water is hydrogen. Yeah. yeah. So, um, they removed that what in the nineties and autism rates continued to go way up mm-hmm. mainly because like the noticing of spectrum disorders has been expanded and, uh, you know, possibly other reasons too, possibly but. other reasons. But I think it's largely because like, you know, 50 years ago, the kids just slow was the, <laughs> or that was the, the kids diagnosis. A nerd. Right. Yeah. Um, well, slow was basically the diagnosis, right? Um, I have no idea what it was. I don't, I don't, I don't think slow was thrown on paper. They wrote like literally mentally retarded if it was that bad. But like, you know, if the kid, you know, had social quirks or uh, learning challenges, I think slow was the, what your doctor would say, even if that's not what the diagnosis was. Um, or at least depending on some parts of the country, I don't know. Uh, but now we've articulated more of what slow in that context means to mean a variety of different things. And so like now that we, have better understandings of them. We can give them better labels and better treatment options and stuff. Um, if treatments options are necessary. So, uh, that's probably the main reason I think diagnoses have gone way up because we have a broader understanding of these conditions. So I don't have a good answer for if, uh, what was his name? Ornfeld? Ornstein? Orquist. Orquist. (laughs) Yeah. I was close. Um, I don't know if he's a bad guy or not. Uh, I don't even know if I can say he's honestly mistaken because he's done a lot of work, right? Mm-hmm. But he's done a lot of like echo chambering. But of course, that's basically what I would do mm-hmm. if I wanted to. If I wanted to argue with him, I'd go to like why global warming is true, yeah. and you know, grab their frequently asked questions or something, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe we can do a subject, do an episode on honest inquiry. Okay. I mean, certainly part of that would be being open to being challenged yeah. and being open to engage. And if this guy's doing that, then he's, you know, got two good points. Um, but I don't actually know if that counts because I haven't seen this guy's demeanor, how he conducts himself. But like I did watch a, d- a debate between Dinesh D'Souza and Peter Singer mm. and D'Souza was the most 
intellectually dishonest arguer i think i've and i i think i've ever seen because i didn't watch the ken on ham debate okay um <laughs> or the, excuse me the ham on nye that's what i call it okay. uh so oh God. i don't call it that like i read ham it on rye yeah okay gotcha um, that's a, that's a good term actually yeah. <laughs> uh because i couldn't bear to watch ken ham i watched it for like the first 10 minutes mm. and i just i generally watching theists is just a clusterfuck it was so bad i can't think of a good example other than like if someone cringes like watching Tom Cruise stand on a chair and scream about stuff. Oh, that is far more enjoyable because at least he is not obviously representing a lot of people who are similarly insane. It's like watching Richard Spencer get in front of a microphone and talk about whatever Nazi bullshit that he talks about or something, right? Yeah. Um, or someone more egregious than him. That's how I feel watching Ken Ham. So I couldn't, I couldn't bear it. But anyway, Dinesh D'Souza wasn't a, he, he engaged, but not really. He pretended to engage just for the sake of arguing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's easy to play the role of someone being honest, but they're not, they're not the key. And I think this is probably from less wrong. Isn't to do it as a show. It's, and it's not even something you need to do in public. You do it to yourself and you, you actually do it and you, you, uh, fully, uh, model what it would be like to be wrong. Yeah. Well, I don't think debates are good ways to seek truth, personally. I mean, maybe they might help the public discourse. I don't know. Maybe they make it worse. But if you want to seek truth, you do it in p- private. Uh, debates, I like debates for the same reason that I like boxing matches. Because I like seeing people beat the shit out of each other intellectually. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that was a damn good punch. And oh, man, you just took that right in the nose, dude. Should have deflected this way. And I, I consider it a sport. It's fun to watch, but it is no way to find the truth. It's yeah. just a way to see who's better at slamming their opponent. Which I consider fun, but yeah. I haven't watched the debate in a while. I need to find a good one and get back into it. Because you're right, that is fun. Yeah. Um, That's one of the reasons I loved Hitch. Oh my God, he could come out swinging. He was eloquent. Yeah. Did you ever see any of his uh, Intelligence Square debates where he had <laughs> Stephen Fry? Yeah. Um, good stuff. Mm-hmm. That was actually one of the reasons I followed, uh, before the show, we talked about PZ Myers a bit. Mm-hmm. That was one of the main reasons I followed him. PZ Myers was a great intellectual boxer. Mm-hmm. Eventually, he just like went off the rails, but he could throw those punches, man. Yeah. Should we go on to listener feedback? Yeah, if we have any quick ones. Okay, yes, we do. So, first thing we have to do is thank our supporters on Patreon. Or our supporters, because we only think one a week. We have more than one, though, I promise. Uh, so, this week, we would like to thank... Uh, thank you, Henry Tenen, for uh, supporting the podcast. You are great, and you help bring this to all the wonderful people who listen to it. Like yourself, you rock. Yeah, but, you know, really, they should be thanking you, too. Um... For some quick listener feedback, we just did our latest episode. Our latest episode just went up uh, yesterday, so don't have a lot yet, but do have a couple things. Uh, did you want to hit the first one, or should I? Um, you go right ahead. Okay. Um, Googleplex Byte informs me that I was wrong about Georgia's taxes on intellectual property. Uh, they are set to a percentage of the value, so no one would be able to own pervasive concepts as value of a monopoly... No one would be able to own pervasive concepts as value of a monopoly on them would be more than the revenue a company is capable of making. Uh, He gives some examples how, for example, the intellectual rights to comedy films in the U.S. is if they are $10 billion every five years, a 10% Georgia's tax on the intellectual property of comedy film would cost the holder a billion a year, which is roughly equal to the gross revenue that Warner Brothers takes each year. So it'd be simply too expensive for even the biggest companies in the world to own such generic intellectual property. 
the intellectual property whose value has grown large enough, such as Disney properties, would reach the point where it would be financially infeasible to keep holding them. And the people who are holding on these IP would only be able to cover their taxes if they're actively using them to generate revenue covering it. That is interesting. Um, I... I don't know a lot about George's taxes, so apparently I should read up on this or more likely have someone on the podcast to discuss them someday. That would be interesting. Sounds cool. Yeah, I, I certainly think that uh, it sounds like it, it anticipated my reducto ad absurdum of like, you know, what if high fantasy is my IP and you can't write in that universe or in any universe that has magic, yeah. right? What if somebody said like, nope. You know, magic is my domain. You have to you have to give me a dollar for every page you write that you know isn't a magic book or something. So that seems like it would be handled in this framework, which right. is awesome. I think the thing that um, most jumps out at me is that where did this number of ten billion come from? Like, who knows how much comedy films are worth? Why did we assign the value ten billion? Maybe comedy films done well, distributed to people who know how to do them very well, could be worth two hundred billion in a year. Or well, is maybe, that how much they make every year? Uh, no. He said Warner Brothers has a gross revenue of $1 billion a year, but Warner Brothers covers a lot of things, and there's a lot more companies than just Warner Brothers. So who knows if it's $10 billion. And also, maybe it's only a $1 billion idea. Like, how, how do you estimate $10 billion? It sounds like very quickly you get into questions of, this is impossible to put a number on. Yeah, that maybe we'll have to look more into that to get a better idea. That's interesting. Like, how do you estimate the value of mickey mouse maybe disney can get x amount of dollars from him but if he was open to the public and anyone could make disney stuff or mickey mouse stuff could be worth tenfold more how how are you going to argue to disney you know what you say that mickey mouse is worth 10 billion dollars to you but it's actually worth a hundred billion in real real terms like how are you going to argue that yeah plus like you can't just say i have an idea that's worth a billion dollars right right um well you wouldn't want to because then you'd have to pay 10 or 100 million a year in tax even if you're not making the billion dollars off your idea uh-huh oh yeah then screw that yeah <laughs> keep your billion dollar ideas to yourself right exactly okay right on and uh, i think we talked about this but i will read it just in case we didn't athator says in the context of ea there's a huge example that pops into my mind with cryptocurrencies the remittance market and the unbanked Consider that $600 billion gets transferred from migrant workers to support their families in their home country each year. Money transfer operators take exorbitant fees for transfer up to 20%. Allowing people to use um, cryptocurrencies for transferring rather than going to these organizations is basically a direct money transfer to the poorest individuals who need it. And direct money transfers are considered an effect uh, EA thing. That uh, all sounds great, but I don't. I'm curious where those numbers come from. $600 billion are moved from migrant workers to back to the families every year? That is linked to a Wikipedia article on remittance. It seems reasonable across the entire world. That's just a lot. I, I was just surprised. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. And maybe some places charge more. I was thinking like Western Union or like your bank will charge you like 40 bucks to do an international wire of however much you want, right? So uh, it's not awesome. a percent cut to... I, when I, I mean, it to, depends on where what you're using. That's true. Maybe going across. Well, no, I did one international wire and worked at the bank. I don't think it was a percent, but maybe that was just the credit union I worked at. Also, both of them had bank accounts, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of times you don't have a bank account on this side where you're sending it from. They don't have a bank account on that side where they're getting it from either. 
Oh, I wouldn't even know how you would move money in that case. No wonder it's no wonder someone could charge some crazy fee for that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, yeah, my bad. I shouldn't have quite. I shouldn't have. Uh, well, no, I'm glad I was skeptical. Yeah, sticking to my guns. Damn straight. Thanks for thanks for uh, backing yourself up, though. Who was the commenter? Ethiter. Nice. Yeah, says that this this basically could increase uh, is the equivalent of a net donation to the poorest families in the world by billions per year through the use of cryptocurrency. That's super awesome. Yeah. And if. Uh, uh, Reese wasn't aware of that figure. He definitely needs to be made aware of it because that sounds like the kind of thing he should be pointing out. Yeah, we'll tell him. Uh, also, um, consider, he says, Athator, consider that there are still over 2 billion people on this planet who do not have a bank account. And imagine the wealth transfer to those individuals who are probably living in a barter economy uh, if they have increasingly gained access to the internet and they can utilize a global currency like Bitcoin. I wonder how you cash out your Bitcoin in the third world. Because mm-hmm. you can't buy groceries with it. You maybe you could if people start accepting it. If everyone else else in your village is like, yeah, sure, I'll take Bitcoin. Okay. I mean, it's a fiat currency. That's all you need to do is get everyone on board with accepting it. Well, as long as there's an adoption rate, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. I mean, certainly, you know, if it's a barter thing where you know I want to buy stuff from you, I can give you Bitcoin. So certainly, like, you know, you don't have to like go to put a down payment on something with Bitcoin or whatever. If you're just doing it between people, that's exactly the kind of circumstance that I think it works great for. And you don't have to pay banking fees. You don't have to deal with a lot of banks where if you don't have a minimum down payment or a amount that you direct deposit every month, they charge you money. There's all sorts of late fees and other things that a lot of people get trapped into. Not late oh, fees, yeah. but overdraft fees. Sure. Yeah. All these things that could be avoid with direct transfers via Bitcoin. Uh, I think that's everything. I think that's everything. We've got to give a big shout out to uh, Kyle Moore, our sound editor, who makes everything awesome. Yeah. Um, we yeah. have uh, subreddit, the Bayesian Conspiracy, uh, the Bayesian Conspiracy Podcast at gmail.com, and the Conspiracy.com. Yes. And uh, iTunes reviews are always awesome. iTunes reviews help us quite a lot. They help get this word out to other people. You can even just leave a review rating without having to write one. Hmm. It Just doesn't. It doesn't make it obvious that you can save and leave at that point, but I think you can. Okay. So keep that in mind. Cool. Um, at least you can do that in the app store. I'm not sure if you can do that on podcast or not. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. Yeah. We'll see you all in two weeks. Cool. Bye bye. <laughs>